Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, no. I'll give, you, I'll give you just a little preamble. Oh, no. Basically, uh, The Lion's Den was uh, this show starring Rob Lowe. It had a full season order on NBC. And, you know, this was 2003. This was the rise of the male anti-hero drama. And kind of, I think, the last time probably where Lowe was really gunning, you know, for that serious actor status for playing a tortured anti-hero. And so uh, he was on this show, The Lion's Den. And basically what happened was the show got canceled and they were only halfway through their episode shooting schedule. Lowe found out from NBC that um, they had already sold the show into syndication in the UK and a few other places. So essentially they would have to film episodes that would never play in the u.s like they just had to film a bunch of episodes and they were going to get pushed off and they were going to play on sky or be released on like a dvd set later and so uh rob lowe and the show's creators just said well interesting i guess we can just uh do whatever we want from (laughs) here on out you know (laughs) so i'm gonna play for phil the final scene of the season finale, which became, of course, the series, series finale, finale okay. of The Lion's Den. Here we go. Which is ostensibly a show about Rob Lowe working for a law firm and being this kind of morally flexible attorney. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. It's on YouTube. It's great quality so oh, far. Wow. This is just... Kyle Kyle Chandler, Chandler. okay. A year before he shot the Friday Night Lights pilot. Wow. Keep that in mind, too. Working late. And just working off the guilt. Is that what's driven you to take the high road all these years, Jack? Excuse me? Sorry I missed the board meeting. That's okay, you weren't invited. No, I mean, it's too bad because I would have loved for them to hear this. 
I want you to draft your letter of resignation by noon tomorrow. <laughs> what? <laughs> the truth floats what? back. I know by Sean Waters. Chandler's putting some spin yeah. on the ball. Yeah. Do you want to fill me in? Oh, what the? Yeah. <laughs> what? What is this? You and Willow and Sean went out in your boat. And you anchored for dinner. And you got Sean high. And you got Sean drunk. And you waited for Willow to go to sleep. And then you guys took a swim. Only Sean wasn't in any condition to swim. But he was in perfect condition to drown. Chandler with that down-home yeah. detective work mm -hmm. coming through. It really is. Damn, just Jack. Pretentious. No, he's just bringing like just Willow woke up. She saw collar all the way through this guy. <laughs> she thought you were extending your hand to help him out, and then she realized you were holding his head underwater. <laughs> Why would I do that? I don't know. Pablo looks like a broken yeah, acting robot really, right now. He really does. Like, he looks like a ventriloquist dummy in this. Or maybe because he was just on a faster track Part of it's than the you. low resolution. No, yeah. His face really his face looks, looks really strange. Yeah. You know what's really funny about this, right? Which is, I saw the commercials for this show back when it was on. And I remember. Yeah, and I, so I remember this show because I was like, this is really weird. What is Rob Lowe doing on this? And I'm like, maybe. This is like college? Yeah, I'm in high yeah, school. I'm in high school. Yeah. And I remember yeah. even then thinking this his face looks so strange <laughs> on this. Yeah, just wow. But you feel like he was really going for that series. Like He's going to be like, you know, the next mm -hmm. fucking Tony Soprano, the mm -hmm. next Al Swearingen. He's getting his shot. No, this is, How this about is Detective weird. Trump? Was he on to you, Jack? You know, Grant, you above anyone else should understand what it's like to be misunderstood. But I understand you. I do. <laughs> I've always admired your ambition. Yeah, you can go places in this firm without me, but you can get there quicker with me. The workload's too much for one person. The lunches alone are killing me. I have evidence on Christensen. He's making him his partner. He'd step down in a day if he's part of the board. You can have his office. It's bigger than mine. Dark eyes. Black eyes. Like a doll's eyes. What is this? No, thanks. So hurt. <laughs> He's so hurt to be rejected like that. Well, that's too bad. Our paths diverge. Give a show about a law firm and be like, wait, this is this where is they were going? Whoa, okay, all right, no, we're, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, my oh, yeah. God, are you serious? 
Are you serious? In retrospect, Chandler was really just standing there waiting. Like, yeah. You gonna murder me before yeah. I leave? Like, you know, what? I'm just waiting here. I'm just waiting to be stabbed. I, yeah, I'm okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm in shock right now. I just love the idea that everyone producing this series was like, oh, yeah, we we don't have to give a fuck at no, all No, not at all. Well, I mean, look at him. He just goes, okay. He's not even worried about disposing of the body right now. Of course. Dad, there's been another accident. I just love that. I love. Uh, <laughs> Let's burn it all down. <laughs> really? We got canceled. We don't care anymore. <laughs> I mean, this is like Sam Seaborn after the White House, right? Yeah, exactly. That's really what this is. Yep. That's yep. what I like. <laughs> he just goes. He becomes a murderer. Oh boy! Just has a nice, like, broadsword shaped paperweight on mm-hmm. his desk yeah. that he can dispose of employees with. Wow, it's more effective than firing them. Apparently, watching that, I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> Kyle Chandler, I'm so happy you got Friday Night Lights yeah. after this." Yeah, he deserves Just to it. Think of that incredibly talented charismatic actor here mm-hmm. <laughs> just playing this simple southern guy who's yeah. like i know what you did i know it was wrong and i'm gonna turn you in oh man i've been stabbed right in the bread basket oh no i'm dead you know like what the fuck man that was a good pick i appreciate that one that is so, a good you know, find. Just, just, I thought since we're going to be talking about season finales, you know, yeah. I just wanted to throw out one of the one of the hottest finales I had checked out in a minute. Did you watch that whole episode? No, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> it actually was the the clip itself was preceded by Rob Lowe uh, giving a pretty funny interview where he just talked about how uh, the the network cared so little about what they were doing that they explained what the finale was going to be, mm, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. were like, "Oh yeah, great." And they're <laughs> like, are, "Are you even listening to what <laughs> right. we just said? What we just pitched? You. You're not listening they're anymore. Not, they don't, don't care, care at all." Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And I just think about two people, like, in the UK watching it on Sky One or whatever and being like, oh, yeah, you know, they gave this show a full season. <laughs> well, I'm really getting into this storyline and getting to the end of being like, what the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> what did they do? What have they Those done Those maniacs. Oh, look how they massacred my boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a show. I should have watched it, you know, 18 years ago when I had the chance. That's what I learned from this. You saw the marketing, I saw the, you know? Exactly. You could have been pulled in, although you wouldn't have even got. You would have just had it cut off yep. after, like, Oh, I would have been so whatever. upset. Yeah. So upset. You would have had to wait for that Lion's Den DVD. <laughs> right. I don't know if they ever even released. You so. know what the... All right, so you know what the answer to this is, right? Mm, well, we need well. to... It's, it's resurrect the Lion's Den. No, oh, clearly. Bring them all back. <laughs> Everyone is doing a reunion now. Friends. Sure. Arrested Development got themselves back mm-hmm. together. Will and Grace did a thing. Sex in the City. Look, I don't God. see why we can't do the Lions Den. Yeah, you gotta have Kyle Chandler as the vengeful spirit. Absolutely. Who's watching over see? him now and taunting him from the afterlife. Okay, yeah. there we there go. go. 
There we go. Nice. That's the way in. <laughs> Let's pitch this. Anyway. Are we doing this? I think we're doing this. We might as well. <laughs> we don't have anything better to do. Right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Goat Season. We are so happy to have you with us. This is a podcast about the greatest individual seasons of television of all time, their most memorable episodes, and their creative teams, both in front of and behind the camera. I'm Phil Mitchell, and along with me is my industrious, hardworking co-host, Mr. Alex Sinesi. Hell yeah. Good to Hell see you, bro. Hell yeah, man. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Dude, we're at the end, man. Yes. We're at the end of the Yellow Brick Road. Yes. Not the end, which was the name of... The series finale. The series finale, finale right. We're at a no, end. No, no. We're end. at an end. An yes, end. yes, yes. My personal favorite? No, no. Season three. Season three? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost season finale, but watching this again, I was like... It's so good. Holy shit, it's this so is a good, good. season yes, finale. Yes, it is. It kind of instantly reframed the whole season for me again of being like, oh, oh, this is this, why yes. this show was so... Yes. Hot. Yes. As many times as it stumbled, yep. as many times as we got an episode where we're like, what the fuck See, was going d- dude, on in okay. this one? See? You have that hot pilot. You have Walkabout, which is almost like we're redoing the pilot in the standard structure of the show itself. Yep. Lindelof himself kind of refers to Walkabout as like a second pilot mm-hmm. where he saw that and he realized this is how we can do the show on so much less budget, so much less time on the schedule and make it that compelling. And then bookending it on the other side, you have this finale where they pulled out all the fucking stops, man. They really did. Yeah, they did. It's really, really good. So yeah. I agree with you. Like I was watching it. I watched them all right in a row. So we're talking about episodes, uh, what is it, 24, 24, 25 or 25, 26? It's... Whatever. Who cares? It doesn't even matter. 23, 24, 25. Okay, technically. yeah. Technically. Okay. But here's the thing. They did this weird thing where they played half of the season finale one week, and then they played the other half on a separate week. But the second half was a 90-minute double Right. Finale. Okay. So you have a part one and a part two, but part two is also, also parts two part and part two. three. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The way that IMDb listed is so stupid, they do Exodus part two in brackets, part one, and then Exodus uh, okay, part yeah, two no, in brackets, no, part yeah, two. Yeah. It's like... So it, we'll just... It, okay, so it, for the we'll purposes... Just call it Exodus. Exodus, it's exactly. A, Exodus, it's three... Three parts. Units, but mm-hmm. it's all one thing, yeah. basically. So we're talking about Exodus today, well which is yeah. the series... Excuse me, the season finale for episode one. And you're right, like... Uh, for I, season one. Season one, excuse me, God, yeah. Series, season, series, episode, it all, nothing makes it all any sense. Yeah, I, I know. just... It's the lion's den. I really the lion's den. Right. <laughs> yeah. Turning their season finale into a series finale. Absolutely. That so, was also just a... <laughs> there you go. It was everything. A pathetic glory, a regrettable display. So I came to the same conclusion as you, which is the flashbacks that don't work, the episodes that don't work, maybe doesn't matter at the end because what happens is you are on a journey with these people and now you're seeing them come to a, a place of potential fruition. Like the journey feels like it's come to a potential end. And you've been with these characters for however many weeks, however many months, and you're hoping for good things for them. You want good things for them. And so like the, the first part of Exodus, I think, hits that so well. 
it feels so hopeful and it feels like there's an element of danger. And so you're, you're hoping desperately for all of these characters that you've come to know to either be redeemed in some way or to be, you know, remain safe or find some type of stability or security. That's all you want for them. I mean, you're hoping for that. And yeah, that first part of that. Yeah, I think the first part. And I think that's the reason why, like I remember saying beforehand, like some of these flashbacks, like I don't really, I'm not really sure if they matter, but maybe they do because you were with that person and you got to know something about this person, even if you didn't like them necessarily. And these episodes, they are such a savvy accumulation of emotional investment where in both the launching of the raft and yeah. then in the montage of everyone boarding the plane at the end of Exodus Part 3. In these two incredible sequences, you just get every single character and every single you know emotional backstory suddenly gets activated. All of that weight is directly just hammered onto the audience in the form of this really emotional sequence that's a really like muscular piece of filmmaking all apologies to jack bender because he does incredible work in both of these sequences but even more so i mean again i'm just like the mvp of this season is michael giacchino yeah holy shit the music in these scenes Oh my God, it ties everything together. It makes these moments really overwhelming. I mean, the point when the score was swelling and Vincent swims out after the raft, I was like, I didn't remember this getting me this hard, Mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. That's not company. Or the fact that even like Walt, like even gave Vincent to Shannon, like that was such a like heartwarming yeah she's so good yeah it's just a heartwarming moment there yeah so okay do we just want to talk about what happens let's like let's just get through this yeah yeah, okay all right and so i will try to summarize this as quickly as i possibly can it's a lot it's a lot lot. so rousseau shows up and she basically tells the entire uh, surviving crew that hey the others are coming you all need to prepare and so what happens is the following michael walt Jen and Sawyer, they, they decide that they're going to board the raft. They're set off with the help of the law, the survivors, and they are off in the ocean. They're setting off to find hope, essentially, to find, you know, someone who could perhaps come back and rescue everyone else. It's like a great moment. Like you said, the score is swelling. It feels like there's hope. You know, everyone seems to have bonded, and it feels like family-like. It feels like you're sending someone off to college or, like, watching someone, like, relocate to another country so that they can start their life all over again it feels that happy just in that moment yeah kind of a goodbye to it it's so interesting you say hope yeah because because what happens what Locke says too about the hatch for him hope is the hatch exactly opening that that is where he is going to find his hope which is so interesting yep and so those four characters have departed saeed is going to lead a group of people. Said and Son are going to lead a group of people to the caves where they are going to wait while Locke, Jack, Hurley, Kate, and Arst, and Arst. Arst yeah. are going to the Black Rock along with Danielle in order to find dynamite to open yeah. up the hatch. That is basically, that's all of, of the first part of Exodus, I think, if I'm remembering yeah. this correctly. And I have to ask, mm-hmm. there's one character I think gets shafted in this, and that's Rose. Yeah, she's Rose. not in any of the like these last three uh, portions. 
I think they just didn't have it in the budget to yeah. have her guest star or something. I don't know what the deal was because, yeah, you never see her sit down next next to Jack on the plane. Right. And you also don't see her in any of the island stuff. Right. That, just like not seeing her on the plane. I was like, oh, yeah, Rose just isn't in these episodes at all. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. They're trying to fill out more of the losty group, you know, the survivors. They're trying to give you a little more of a sense of, oh, yeah, there are other people besides our main core characters. And yet they never really convincingly show us that they're anything but background actors, you know, or the occasional guest star like Rose or Arst. So, yeah, that's basically the first portion. But in the second portion, the second unit of Exodus, we've got what? Jack and company investigating the Black Rock, which turns out to have been a slave ship, a shipwrecked slave ship that has dynamite inside of it. But it's in the middle of a jungle. It's such a cool image. I was saying this earlier. I think the Black Rock is probably the best, like, paid off mystery in this season. Yeah. To have it be this, like, really intriguing sounding place and you're imagining that the others are doing some kind of like dark rituals here or something and then you come to it and know it's this gigantic frigate from out of Portsmouth shipbuilding that just got like stranded and covered with vines in the middle of a jungle and their skeletons chained up in its hold it's it's such a it's cool so cool and it's gross at the same time yeah it, it is, is. It's it's terrifying it's gross it's ah oh, it's yeah. the best Arst gets blown up immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, Arst. He proves himself to be just the most obnoxious. It's so funny, right? Hurley exactly. Hurley can't even stand this guy. Yes, you know what's so funny is because in like two episodes beforehand, it's like, oh man, this guy might be a useful character. He seems like he's (laughs) smart. He's saying things about the monsoon, and then it's almost as though they made sure that you found him annoying right before he gets blown up. Like, they, they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to really like this guy, and you're just not going to have to deal with him ever again. Well, Lindelof, he explained it very well in that he said, uh, basically, he had a chemistry teacher in high school who was named Leslie Arst, who just had it out for him, who could not stand him. And I, the very telling part of it was that Lindelof said, uh, I'm a guy who needs people to like me, and you kind of sense that that Uh, need in mm. all of his work to a certain extent and also in sort of the way that he's reacted to and grappled with the response to his work oftentimes but yeah so he uh, he had a grudge against this guy and he was like i'm putting him on my show i'm making him this annoying asshole and then he gets blown the blown to bits in a great moment a great great. moment of this just self-important blowhard of a guy telling everyone that they have no idea what they're doing and and proving that he himself <laughs> doesn't know what he's doing. So that happens. And then I think that there are two great questions that are posed at this point. One, which is Sun wondering if the island is punishment for everyone who is there. And then I think someone else asked another. Well, it's, we return to Hurley. And he asked the question, which again is, am I bad luck? Am I bad luck for everyone who is around me? And so I think that yeah. those are two really interesting questions posed by the characters. And I think mostly like that's most of the second portion. And then Rousseau comes back and she abducts baby Aaron from Claire. Right. So you have Saeed and Charlie head out after them. I did think it was interesting how like Claire, when they're talking about being punished by fate and all that, Claire is just immediately like, Oh, there's no such thing as fate. 
Mm-hmm. Like she's been on this magical island too, although I guess she remembers a lot less of it than everyone else. But she's just immediately like, no, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. We're here in the moment. There's no magic. There's yep. no guiding hand. You know, we're just dealing with a bunch of shit. Yep. I got the impression that as soon as Rousseau returns and tries to uh, kidnap baby Aaron, that that's when all of Claire's memories return. Oh. I couldn't tell. Like, I, when I watched it, I thought, oh, like, is she now remembering everything? Because it almost seems to imply that perhaps Rousseau was the one who may have been trying to kidnap Aaron in the middle yeah. of season one. Yeah. I don't like, know. Is she confused or mm-hmm. was that her memories flooding back? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So that yeah. I, I thought was. And then in the final portion of Exodus, we have the first time that we see any bit of the monster of the monster that's been walking around, and it looks a lot like a tentacle made of smoke. You look like you have something to say. Okay, all right, just go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. I was struck by watching this again, because I remember there's an episode in season two where we get a really good, clear look at it, and it's this tentacle of smoke. And I remember that being the first time that I was actually, like, disappointed, where I was like, oh, that's really the monster that you know has been making all these sounds and doing all of this crazy stuff and being so menacing while being unseen and watching this episode again i'm like yeah they didn't really give you a clear look at it no. you get certain impressions but it's like even in this episode i felt like they were still kind of hedging their bets mm-hmm. about what the monster would look like mm-hmm. and that they could always go back and say well the smoke was some side effect of right. it or it was something else or some other part of it but I think it was, you know, not for a while yet that they decided, oh, no, that's that's going to be the design. That's right. going to be the look is that it's just a pure, like, seemingly somewhat sentient wisp of black smoke. But I think this change in design really shows a change in ethos from the original conception of the monster, which I would pin more on J.J. Abrams, who clearly had a kaiju fixation. You look at Cloverfield and Super 8 right after this, and at some point Lindelof took that initial conception and went from a kaiju to something more metaphysical, you know, something that represents psychological trauma in a visual way. It's, It's getting back to his whole ethos of externalizing psychological conflicts and turning them into physical manifestations and i i can't think of a more i I can't think of a more direct symbolic approach to that than literally creating a evil black cloud of negative feelings out of the monster that's been lurking in the jungle and at this point, we all or we call it a security system now. That's what Rousseau describes it as being mm-hmm. a security system, yeah. a sentinel on the island. And so, okay, that's what it is. It attacks Locke. They wound it. It seems like they wound it with dynamite. And then essentially in one of the best, most memorable season finale shots, the hatch is blown up. Jack and Locke, after having discussed the fact that they are men of either science or faith, are looking down into this hatch that has a ladder that looks like it extends for hundreds and hundreds of feet. And it, it's a great shot. Like, it's just the two of them. We're going down this tunnel. We're looking back up at these two characters who have opposing viewpoints. 
that's that's how the episode ends but i, I think uh, yeah it, it's great i'm stumbling here a little bit but it, it's no, a no, memorable right. moment it's, for certain it is it's a great moment that sort of in a single shot is a, a metaphor of the whole show and its appeal which is that you open one door and you just realize how much deeper deeper the you have to go goes. exactly how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That being said, you haven't talked at all about the bagel. Oh, dude. Oh, you the, gotta get to the bagel. The, ba- the bagel. The bagel was the code name on set or probably more in the writer's room, because I don't think on set anyone even knew, really. I think they kept it very, very hush-hush. But the bagel was what Lindelof and Cuse referred to the final events on the raft. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's the bigger part, I thought. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have this happening with the hatch being blown up and being um, opened. We have Saeed and Charlie rescuing baby Aaron from Rousseau. And I think what a great performance from Mia Furlan. Oh, she's awesome. There is such despair and sadness and shame at having kidnapped this child in an attempt, a desperate attempt to, like, have her own child return to her. And having endangered another woman in the same way, enacted the same trauma that was done to her. Yeah, she seems really pathetic here for the first time in the sense that you realize she's kind of like a Renfield to the other's Dracula, possibly. She's mm-hmm. possibly this person who is outside of the group of the others, but who desperately wants to get her child back yeah. and potentially to be brought into that fold. Yeah. But she can't. She, she can't. is just like this solitary person by nature, and she's driven everyone away. You can feel her own, like, panic and her own sense of isolation, like, overtaking her and yeah. her realizing, oh, God, I I can't interface with people anymore, you know? And yeah. uh, it's sad. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, that scene really got me. And then, yeah, the, the raft. Like, we might as well. The raft mm-hmm. is, like, a crushing 
a crushing resolution to that storyline. So essentially, what a development! Oh, yeah. what a development! It's yeah, it is so. It's just felt mean. It felt mean when I watched it around this time. So yeah, we've it's got disturbing. It is. Sure. So you've got these yeah. four, our four like heroes. You've got Sawyer and you've got Walt, and I love their banter and. Michael and Jen are getting along. It feels like, okay, like this is a happy little company. They see someone on the radar. They send off a flare. All of a sudden, a fishing boat or a boat comes by, and you think, oh, God, they're going to be rescued. This is great. And then the rescuers simply say, we're going to have to take the boy. We're going to have to take the boy. <laughs> I love that. Yes. That it's like, well, oh, we got no choice. We've got no choice. This is what we got to do exactly. now. It's oh, like, my God. Oh, oh really, yeah. MC Ganey? You have to take <laughs> this young child away from his father? And if you didn't know anything about, like, who, I'm not, I guess I can't really even spoil that. It it comes off as like oh okay like is it is this human trafficking that we're about to watch happen here like that's right. what it seems you like no idea. you have no idea what's happening who these people are yeah very shady and in quick succession Sawyer gets shot Jen dives in after him these mysterious shady people kidnap Walt and Michael is thrown into the ocean off of the raft and then the raft gets blown up and the last thing that we see is Michael screaming for his son and that's it and oof it it hits hard it's an incredible piece of directing it's an incredible piece of writing too it really yeah like you say it 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 really does feel mean it feels like such a savage twist on these characters who the show has really built up all of the emotional investment we have in them and then to like fuck them over this hard man it's audacious it, it is. Really is it yeah. really really is yeah. oof yeah, yeah i I think this show, again, I said this before, but it did a wonderful job as a payoff to all of the stuff that seems superfluous or perhaps even nonsensical over the course of the season. Yeah, they did such a good job reminding you the bench on this show is so, so deep. deep. Mm -hmm. They have so many incredible scenes where they just give these actors a moment to shine, where they give them a real emotional climax to their story. You have Sun and Jin with this incredibly powerful moment. You have Jack and Sawyer, where Sawyer reveals yeah. that you know, Jack's father knew that he was the better man. Mm -hmm. And it's like Sawyer gets this fantastic monologue out of it. And Matthew Fox really doesn't have any dialogue in yep. that scene. I thought that was so telling. And it's just all like his visceral emotional reactions these moments these sort of physical reactions he's having to hearing sawyer disclose this information that's incredible yeah uh, you have a ton of great stuff with michael and walt a lot yeah. more flashbacks with them than anyone else i really felt like i realized this time i'm like oh yeah they are bringing them that extra bit of focus just to remind you of how much these two characters have been through, how strained their relationship was, how they've gotten to this better place with it Dude, right before, right before the, and so like, man, yeah. it may, it broke my heart to hear Walt screaming for his dad. He's screaming for his dad in the way that a terrified child wants their parent, because that's yeah. what he is. But up until that point, you, the, the it's almost like a reveal. So independent. Exactly. So know? independent. Yeah. So yeah. like just wanted to keep his distance from this new person in his life. And then it's like the, he has no one else to cling to in yeah. this moment of pure terror. And yeah, it's it's very sad. And when Harold Perrineau 
cries out for him he's so helpless too and he really leans into that where he is like i am helpless in this situation and unlike so many of the other characters on lost where you wouldn't necessarily buy that with him they have smartly constructed it so that it's like his son means so much and he's been taken away in a in a way that you just can't imagine how he would get him back yeah and it breaks him in that moment yeah and we're we're there with him for it it really oh man yeah it hits and i mean yeah maggie grace is amazing in this episode she gets a couple incredible scenes one with walt giving her vincent yeah. that is just so strong god i mean she and Yunjin Kim, I thought especially, like really stood out mm-hmm. in these episodes as just being amazing. Hurley gets this awesome sequence where he has to oh, get yes. to the plane on time. That's like a perfect showcase for everything that Jorge Garcia does so well. It's so funny. It's so charming. Like I love how the boarding agent at the gate is just like kind of charmed by him. Yeah. Like, rushing up here. And yeah. Doing everything at his disposal to like make this flight knocking over a bunch of chairs with this <laughs> this motorized cart and all this oh man did you notice the the plane outside of the boarding gate though those were some real ps2 level graphics of course right of course i'm not gate. surprised it was crazy i wasn't either but it is funny i think it must have just been that they were doing the effect so last minute on this episode because I know that they were wrapping this episode super close to when it aired because there's excellent CGI in this episode as well that you probably didn't even notice, which is that the Black Rock is almost entirely CGI. And That's really cool. I, I had read that and I was looking at it and I was like, you really can't tell. Yeah. They only built the very back section of it and then extended it. But it makes sense. Yeah, it actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. But like that part looks flawless. And it's it's so funny how early 2000s CGI <laughs> is so weird. What it can do and what it can't. And sort of, you know, how if you get caught with like not enough time to composite in a certain shot, it's going to look super, super jank. You know what I couldn't help but notice is I wonder... A day later, how did that uh, gate attendant feel about letting Hurley onto that plane? Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. She's like, oh, yeah, I she remember that guy. Signed she signed that warrant. man's death warrant for all she knows. <laughs> yeah. oh. Did you see the uh, the girls' soccer team with the numbers on their jerseys? No. Hurley rushes past them as part of that montage. Okay. You get all the, the numbers, numbers in a row mm-hmm. on their jersey. But it's also just funny because now it feels like a yellow jacket yes. sign <laughs> too in a weird way. You know? So I think he also has a great moment with the sequence that you're talking about and just the moment where he realizes, oh my God, the numbers are on the hatch. I have to stop this thing from being opened. He just like yeah. panics. Oh, and it's so, so good. I feel so bad for him in that moment. Who do you think is I the know. MVP of these three units. Oh, ooh, okay. Well, in his own weird way, Locke is definitely the MVP of that group mm-hmm. because it's just him getting one win after another. It is. The moment where Rousseau shows up and says, yes, the others are coming and there's this black smoke and all this stuff. And, you know, she she makes all these wild claims about the others and then they see the black smoke and they realize the others really are coming. And Locke has this moment, Terry O'Quinn, where he turns to Jack with this just like, I told you so grin. Mm -hmm. It's never malicious. It's always just like, 
yeah, I fucking knew it, man. Like, you should be on my side with this shit, you know? You need to come over to the faith. And then by the end, him doing everything he possibly can, risking life and limb, risking being taken down by the monster so that he can blow the hatch open. Because, uh, as we were saying, these characters are looking for hope. One group, they find their hope by leaving the island, by going off in search of rescue. Seems totally reasonable. But then on the other hand, you have Locke, and his idea of hope is burrowing as deeply into the island as he possibly can. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I put him as the MVP. Uh, Saeed has to be MVP of his own little side expedition. I love that at first he goes to the raft and he's like, here, here's a radar. You can signal for ships with it. Here's a flare gun. Here's all this stuff that you need. And you're immediately like, well, Saeed should be on the raft. Clearly. (laughs) But also you need Saeed to go rescue baby Aaron and, you know, heal Charlie's head wound with gunpowder, which cauterize that. Why is this man, like, we just need to clone him and place right. him everywhere. <laughs> he is so insanely competent and so ready to just utilize all of these skills at any moment. It's so great. It it's is. a great showcase for Naveen Andrews. I love the moment where after Charlie punches him, he he comes back and casually grabs him by the neck, immobilizes him, and is just like... Stop this nonsense. You're not going to hit me exactly. again. Exactly. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> it's... Uh, He's great. So yeah, he's he's an MVP. And then it's hard to say who's the MVP of the Raft crowd. Because uh, okay. everyone's taking L's. Yeah, they all so do. They all do. Yeah. Man, like I'm trying to think. I would say Yoonjin Kim. I think she does yeah. some wonderful work in her scene with uh, Daniel De Kim. Their, their reconciliation nice. is beautiful. Yeah. Um, she's great. So I, I would have mm-hmm. to say, yeah, she's got an MVP award. I think Jorge Garcia has an MVP award. It's hard. Man, there's so many people. I would just, who else? get? I think, yes, I agree with you. Terry O'Quinn as Locke. Yep, that gets that's an MVP performance right there. And then I would even say Harold Perrineau. Yeah, he's he's great in this uh, yeah. this final episode. Yeah, he he and Walt really get some time, and uh, this is maybe the the best those characters are in yeah. the series. Because you know, I think we had been saying earlier, the writers kind of struggled with them. Mm-hmm. They gave them a ton of backstory, a lot of it where you're like, I don't know if this is going to pan out. I don't know where they're going with Walt's powers and all these other things. But in the end, I think they crystallized that this is a father and son who've been through trauma, but also had a difficult relationship and finally you're starting to see eye to eye and they they deploy that at the perfect moment you know they even do some little things like having like having walt watching power rangers and his dad being like oh it's too early and you're just immediately like oh that got me that got Mm -hmm. me a little bit yeah Uh, who hasn't experienced i was like what power rangers would he be watching right now and of course it was like the 13th season of power rangers because it just never fucking stopped from when you and i were it's still going they just keep it going forever that was uh power rangers spd which was uh it had like a weird police theme you see the power rangers and they're like flashing their badges which seems really weird like you need identification when you're already in color-coded jumpsuits (laughs) and also just think about any power rangers villain like you're really gonna try to arrest lord zed (laughs) you're really gonna give ivan ooze a ticket but then the part I love is that all of the Power Rangers series are just uh, cannibalized footage from a Japanese TV show called right. uh, Super Sentai. And this was the 28th season Ooh. of Super Sentai called uh, Tokuso oh, wow. Sentai Decker Ranger. 
Have you have you ever seen any Super Sentai? Uh, no, I haven't. No, dude. Okay, so I watched just a couple episodes of the one that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers stole its footage from. Mm-hmm. Just just because I was like, well, that's the one I'm familiar with. So I'm just curious how different the original series is, and it's insane, dude. <laughs> it is so crazy and imaginative and they've got like post-apocalyptic stakes to this it's wild and you look at it and you're just like the american show is such a like low effort piece of yeah, shit by it was weak. yeah when as soon as you drop post-apocalyptic i was like oh no 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 the american stuff is breakfast cereal compared to what you just yeah, described the stakes were so high yeah. it's insane Oof. all right so my thoughts on having watched this whole season. Yeah. I, I appreciate this show more than I did before starting this, I would say. Or when we were like in the weeds. Exactly. In the of it mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I, I appreciate like, this. I and I'm glad that we got the chance to do this. Man, like so many of these performances were so great. Sometimes, yeah, the writing was uneven or things. I still stand by that. Like, yeah, some of these episodes, they seem a little superfluous or the the content that's involved maybe is something that we didn't really need or the timing or the arrangement or, or the airing of the episodes may not have been something that serviced uh, the, the episodes at their best or to their best effect. But ultimately, these are really, really good actors who maybe weren't always given the writing that they deserved, but did the best that they possibly could and with a great composer. And I think some really inventive writers on the staff, you, you got something really awesome here. It's a great idea, a great conceit. Um, I wish that the following seasons had been of the same caliber, but this, you know, standing on its own, I was just thinking to myself, if this show had just been two seasons, maybe three seasons, it'd be one of the greatest of all time, if not like the greatest, I would say. Yeah, definitely for networks and for its era. And kind of along the lines of what you're saying, what I'm struck by watching it and seeing the quality that this show was capable of. Yes. And also knowing that Lindelof, after three seasons, went to the network and said, look, this show is just running out of road. We need to change things. We need to have shorter seasons and we need to have an end goal. We need to have a time where we can say the show will wrap up by then. It's just so clear to me that this show was a perfect example of how a purely serialized story operating at a really high level cannot sustain across 25 episodes in a single season right mm-hmm. it just can't. can't and it's like this was the breaking point this was the point where networks had to start reconsidering and saying okay if we are doing a more like heightened you know sort of boutique show if we are doing something a bit more prestige it has to be a shorter season and i think even with a lot of their more procedural stuff now they're they're going to shorter seasons they're just realizing that the value isn't there in doing like so many episodes and having it fill up an entire year on the schedule. That even being said, they take so many long breaks during the season two to even stretch it out further. But yeah, you just look at it and you're like, it's just impossible. It's just impossible to have the kind of consistency and quality that we expect from our serialized narratives across 25 episodes. And that being said, 
they have amazing moments in this season. Like, I think if you were able to boil it down and cut away the extraneous stuff and recut this into, like, a 12-episode season... Oh, it'd be amazing. It would be all killer it'd be, Exactly, no exactly. This is just no B-sides if you were to do that, yeah. Yeah, so looking at it like that especially, I'm like... I just have that much more respect for it. And I think about the highs of this season, about the pilot, about walkabout, about Exodus. And I'm like, these episodes are fucking incredible. They clearly had the ability to do amazing work. It's just, yeah, that's that's why they were hamstrung. And uh, I think someone asked Lindelof what he was proudest of when it came to Lost. And he said, look, in the end, nobody expected this show to go on as long as it did. No one expected us to have over a hundred episodes of this one extremely serialized story. So in the end, I'm just most proud that we made a hundred plus episodes. And I get that. I get get the, the scale of that achievement and the gigantic, basically impossible ask that was leveled at them, yeah. you know, it, in doing this. And it's so interesting because there are, in contrast, some other shows that are high concept with high stakes that have been on for longer than Lost. And I think yeah. you see that that is to incredibly detrimental effect. And I'm talking specifically okay. about The Walking Dead. That show has been on for, what, like nine, ten seasons at this point? It's on season 11. 11? Right okay, now. yeah. So yeah, I, I, which is I supposed could, to be the final season. I and, could and not. And at this point... No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I could not care. Put a bullet through that show's head the same way that the zombies need it as well. Like, that show, again, that could have been great if it were just three to four seasons. Give me quality over quantity. But I understand that entertainment is an industry, and that's not the way things work. But at their best... Uh, shows that are like this, I think, are better when they're shorter. Yeah. I I mean, Walking Dead is such a good parallel because on the one hand, it cribs so much from Lost. Yes. It's this big ensemble show that ultimately is about presenting a world and presenting a mystery and giving you the sense that any of these characters could be expendable, could be uh, sacrificed along the way for the journey and to, to keep you on your toes with, with the greater questions of it. But the other thing, the other reason it's like Lost is because The Walking Dead also was a show that was a total commercial lifeline for its network. The Walking Dead was the AMC show that really made that network profitable in the same way that Lost rescued ABC from irrelevance among the big three networks. And uh, it's, it's that cash cow where, as you say, on the industrial side of it, everyone goes, well, we need to keep this going. We need to have this thing printing money for us for as long as it can. But it's like you see the two things running right up against each other. And it, in a way, makes me so grateful for the modern streaming era where for these streaming networks it's not really profitable for them to go past three or four seasons. They know anything beyond that, you're going to be paying so much out to the cast. These contracts get so lucrative. And on top of that, the added value isn't really there. You want people to stick with something for three to four seasons, knowing that it ends well, and then they have the next similar thing to move right on to. So that change in the model, I think, has really benefited a serialized genre show like Lost. Yeah. No one wants to read a book that doesn't have an ending. And <laughs> yeah, I don't think people want to watch TV shows that don't have endings either. Unless it's Jeopardy. All right. Do you want to rank the episodes? 
Yeah, sure, sure. Do you want to go first? I will go first. I'll go first. All right. I'm very curious about your rankings. Yeah, I mean, I'm tough. I had real trouble. No, you know what? No. The the okay. So this is what I found. The first ten to eleven, yeah, were fairly easy, and then the 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 back half was a little bit hard. It's it's really the ones that I didn't like. The episodes that I was not particularly fond of were the hardest ones for me to rank. That's where I had trouble. Too. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. And so like, yeah. Okay. Here we go. I'm just going to start. And yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to say anything about like the reasons why or anything like that. I'm just going to say. You can say okay. a little bit. No, no, no. You know I'm no, going to so you uh, should say In the interest of time. Okay. <laughs> in the interest of time. I'll try to be brief as I will well. be brief. Okay. All right. So here we go. At 22. Shots fired. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm preempting Ish. that. Yeah. At 22, and I also think one last thing is that I hope that this does not reflect on like who I like or dislike in terms of character. It's totally. just more like which character was served best and which maybe was not served in the way that I hope that they would have been. Yeah, or they just got an episode at the wrong time. So it much got of shafted. it is timing with these episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. Um, at, so at 22, whatever the case may be. 21, White Rabbit. 20, Born to Run. I think you see there's a theme here already. Uh, 19, The Greater Good. 18, Do No Harm. 17, The Moth. 16, Hearts and Minds. I look at you. You're shocked. Look at you. Uh huh. Do no harm at eighteen. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Holy shit. No, 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 no. All right. I said sixteen. Okay. Fifteen. Wow. Confidence Man. Oh my god. Fourteen. Homecoming. Thirteen. Tabula Rasa. I'm Alex shook. is I'm so shook, shook right over now. Here. Yeah, you are. Okay. Oh my god. Twelve in translation. Eleven special. Ten Deus ex machina. Nine raised by another. Eight solitary. Seven outlaws. Seven. Okay, outlaws was the biggest surprise for me because I remember at the time thinking I really hated Sawyer's Island story, but I put outlaws at seven because I recognize I really like. His flashback story. His flashback, His flashback so is good. so great. Yeah, so yeah. I put it at seven. Six, House of the Rising Sun. Five, Numbers. Four, All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. Three, Walkabout. Two, Pilot. One, Exodus. Oh, he did it. Yep. He did it. Yeah, did it. Oh, bro. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Dude. dude uh, I, I feel... Oh, I feel like such a pussy right now, man. <laughs> I feel like I don't have the courage of my convictions in the same way. You're about to see. You're about to see. I, right. I'm preempting it too much, but I <laughs> love, I love where you ended. There are some wild, wild episode placements in there, though. All right. Bro. What have you got? For, okay. So for me, at 22, White Rabbit. Okay. It, it just has to be for me. Yeah, you're 21, right. 21, Hearts and Minds. Okay. 20, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. 19, Homecoming, hmm. eighteen, the greater good, okay. seventeen, special, hmm. sixteen, the moth, okay. fifteen, born to run, fourteen, hmm. raised by another, mm-hmm. thirteen, tabula rasa. We had the exact well, same one on that one. Yeah, 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 right in the middle. That, that makes sense for tabula yeah. rasa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Twelve, house of the rising sun. Okay. Eleven, solitary. Okay. Ten, in translation. Nine, mm. Deus Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Eight, Numbers. Mm-hmm. Seven, Confidence Man. Mm. Six, Do No Harm. Wow, okay. Five, Outlaws. Mm-hmm. Four, All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. Three, 
Exodus mm-hmm. to Pilate one walkabout. Okay. Okay. We diverged a lot. We diverged a fair amount. In it's still really interesting ways. I mean, obviously, like our top four is the same four episodes, which mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. I think those are all like very obviously that's the cream of the crop. I love you putting Exodus first, though. I mean, to me, Walkabout, it's like, it's so hard to deny. And that episode, that whole hour just moves so well. But, like, Exodus Part 1 is probably the best hour of this show. Yes, it is. Of this season, maybe of the entire series. Yes. I think Part 2 and 3 dilute that a little bit. For 2, definitely. 3 is, I think, a redemption. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, and the pilot, pilot part one is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Pilot part two, not, not so on much. the same level. So I might even be able to, I might even switch Exodus and pilot. I don't know. Oh, I'm second guessing myself all over the place Oh here. no. It's tough, man. Oh no. I think all I'm right. going to do that right now. I think I'm going to say pilot God. three, Exodus oh, two, okay. walk about one. All right. But yeah, dude. I don't know. I just, I really like your choices. Do No Harm is the one that's fascinating. That shocked you? That shocked me that you had that at 18. Yeah. That episode hits so hard for me. I guess for you, it's more like, it's Boone and Jack. What do I really care? Which I get. It's a poignant and like important moment. Yeah. But there are others that I think are such better establishing uh, episodes. Like Tabula Rasa. I think that's a great Kate episode. In Homecoming, I'm thinking about, okay, this is an episode where you kill off Ethan. Like, that, right. that that has some impact. And not to say that uh, Do No Harm doesn't. It's just I think Homecoming had a different, maybe more impactful uh, outcome for the remainder of the season. And that's all. Yeah. The funny thing about Homecoming is, like, it's a pretty decent episode to watch. It's not a bad episode to watch at all. Nope. And nope. like if I was going just kind of on the experience of how much I enjoyed it while it was on, it would probably be in like the 14, 15 range. But for me, it was talking about it with you and talking about sort of the philosophy behind it, especially your whole concept of how lost in that particular episode was viewing masculinity, mm-hmm. how it was viewing the way that these power dynamics are going down, the ways that these characters were sort of not having boundaries, but also like being judged as more or less effective, more or less of a man based on how much violence they could bring down upon like <laughs> each uh, other and each yeah. other on the women they were ostensibly trying to protect. Yep. I, it just left such a gross feeling for me and that combined with sort of Lindelof's feeling about that episode oh that was his yeah 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 my my suspicion that he felt the entire storyline there was kind of a failure it all just kind of combined to like push that episode down in the rankings but I agree man it's not a bad episode to watch at all and I think as far as Tabula Rasa goes I mean you have such a good point there that like Tabula Rasa even though it's not I mean, like a great, great episode of the season. It pays off so much so in Exodus. Well. Like all of the stuff with Kate and the Marshall is yep. so good. Yep. Ah, they both really kill that scene. Even yep. though the airplane still doesn't really make sense, mm-hmm. the two of them are leaning in, and that scene is very, very good. Interesting thing about it, just like a little aside, when Kate gets up with her handcuffs and tackles Edward Mars, yeah. the. the air marshal against the wall did you hear her say fuck you no i didn't i definitely did 
it's muffled in the sound mix. Uh, there's no way that they would let that onto network but television. She says, "Fuck you." Man. All right, it's I'm gonna have to. So okay, weird. I will. Uh, I will watch it with subtitles. It's not in the subtitles. All right, it's, all right. It's literally. It's just buried in the mix. But it's a funny thing. I don't know. Like Evangeline Lilly. Uh, you know, I mean, she's on her anti-vax crusade now. But even back then, I feel like you just couldn't tell her what to do. You know, she was one of these characters. She was this actor who was making these wild choices out here. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if she was so in character and in the moment that she was saying stuff like that. And they were like, well, it's the best take. And somebody gonna just go with it. put some sound effects over it, but didn't muffle it all the way out. And they're like, eh, maybe this will slide by the censors. I was just really surprised by that. But it's Fair. definitely in there. So you... You put forth a, a good question, and I think um, we uh, I am fine uh, talking about this, which is what are some of the... I am accepting. I am fine with this. I will yes. acquiesce to your request, sir. No, um, I thought it was Fill a good... Here, like, <laughs> we are extending this episode, but I have made peace with it. I have quelled my inner rage at how goddamn long this fucking podcast is going to be. I have swallowed all this bitterness and I am oh fine. He severed himself emotionally from it. What that might is say? Well played. He's well played, become sir. One of the seven. Oh boy. Yes. Okay, so here so your question was yes. what are some of the best season finales of all time? Yeah. And so season, not series. Yeah, season, not series. Particular demand because Exodus, that's the thing about this. This is definitely a season finale with the idea that, oh, but we're going to make more. It's teasing you, it's tantalizing you, it's giving you a bunch of cliffhangers, it's obviously setting you up to just be like breathlessly awaiting the next season all year, and it fucking worked, because the season two opener was the highest rated episode of Lost Ever. Absolutely. They got everybody on this train, but I was just watching, and I was like, yeah, this is such a good classic sense season finale, man. You know, the part where everyone's boarding that plane with that Giacchino music, ah. We are so in the bag for all of these mm-hmm. characters, man. And we're watching them get on this doomed flight. It's so emotional. And yeah. I'm just like, that is the feeling of so many great season finales. That feeling of taking all the characters who you love, who you've come to like really be root for them. with such, you have such investment in them. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have this moment of circling the wagons and just being like, yeah, this is all the stuff you saw this season. And we're just going to hit that emotional button for you one more time, you know? Ironically, The Sopranos, the last series we covered, yeah. does, you know, the exact same does thing. it so well, too. Yeah, so, so many times. It's interesting that you brought up uh, the second season because there's a tease yeah. in this episode, in Exodus, for the mm-hmm. second season. A little clue as to what's coming. And, yeah, I we won't do that. Yeah, no, no, no. You mean... Anna Lucia, right? Yeah, Anna Lucia. She's coming back. Michelle she's coming Rodriguez. back. Yeah. I, mean, I thought that was so interesting that they just popped her in there. She's already a slightly recognizable face at this point. Oh, yeah. And yeah, like people know who she is. It's like, oh, yeah, I've yeah, seen her she's before. Been in the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. And so it's kind of yeah, like, oh, yeah. what, what was she doing on that airplane? Um, and I thought that that was a great, that's a great tease. They had a, to have a scene where she's trying to flirt with Matthew Fox, which is just so strange. I mean, it's always awkward with him. Oh, Matthew Fox, yeah. Anything he says sounds like he's chastising a student of his for like getting out of line where mm-hmm. he's like, so what are you doing drinking at a bar at 1130? Like, dude, you're doing the same he's thing, doing bro. the same thing. And it's like, is this you flirting? Because it just sounds weird. He doesn't know how. <laughs> you just can't wait to criticize he doesn't know 
well, yeah. All right. She really doesn't. Okay. But I just immediately thought, too, her very, very first line on the show is a drink order. Mm. And I was just like, oh, yeah. that is an ominous yeah. sign. Oh, boy. <laughs> Girl, you better not be driving after that. That is a sign of things to come. All right. Girl. So here we go. Um, I came up with five five season finales i said five and i tried to come up with five and i just no i've got five okay i've got five and here we go i'm I'm gonna list them in no specific order Uh, yeah in no order of importance here we go full measure from breaking bad season three yeah interesting casino night from the office Mm. season two Mm -hmm. crossroads part two from season three of battlestar galactica Oh yeah, great cliffhanger! Wow, yeah. interesting. Um, I th- an episode of television you and I both really enjoy, Musumono from Hannibal season two, mm-hmm. and honestly, any I guess I'd have to. This is hard, but I feel like I think it might be season. Yeah, it's the very very final episode of The Wire. The very final episode with specifically, I'm thinking about the final montage from The Wire, season all right, five. All right. You know, I said we're not doing series finales. I know, but, but I got to pick it. I will say The Wire, every season finale is a series finale. It is. On that show. Because every single one is wrapping up such a definitive standalone chapter, closing the book on so many characters that I put... Like on my list is uh, Final Grades, the season four finale. Yeah. And even putting that, I was like, this feels like cheating. Yep. This feels yep. like a series finale that I'm putting on here. What'd yeah, you get? Yeah. No, I got you. Okay. So I did 10 because I'm- Because you're an overachiever. I, I couldn't- I couldn't could not. not oh, God. 10. All right. It's- uh, Yeah. Um, I will say really quickly first that I, I did think- Full Measure was interesting. Full Measure is an incredible episode of television. But for me, I think Half Measure is way better. Okay. Personally. All right. Half Measure has the Half Measure speech in mm-hmm. it. It has Walter White running those two guys over with the Aztec. Yeah. The big moments I think of from the end of season three are all, are all there. Fair. But I hear you. I mean, Breaking Bad, every season finale is pretty, pretty amazing. Awesome. Yeah. But they also do such a good job of like diffusing so many of their shocking moments across a multi-episode climax that it's it's tough. It's tough to do finales from that show. I did one, but you know, whatever. And the other thing I was just going to say, I love the choice of Crossroads. My personal favorite episode of BSG is a mid-season finale, so I couldn't put it on there. My favorite episode is Pegasus, mm-hmm. which is amazing the 2.0 split before they came back for season 2.5 and that episode is just unbelievable it's an absolute like barn burner but it's not really a season finale i mean unless you count those as two separate seasons which i don't i don't even want to get into it but i will say uh, my personal favorite bsg finale which just didn't make the cut but it it would probably be like 11 or 12 was uh lay down your burdens which was the End of season two, the start of the new Caprica arc, President Baltar. I mean, that shit, I just, I love so much. Um, But, okay, so for me, my 10. Bloody Harlan, the final episode of season two of Justified. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Fucking awesome. Face off. Mm, Yeah. Final episode of season four of Breaking Bad. It was, yeah, I had that one on there. And then I also thought ABQ as well. I was like, that's just as good. So, yeah. It's really tough tough with that one. That was tough. My number eight 
And these are sort of in order. I don't know. It's so hard. Uh, number eight, I had In Care Of, mm-hmm. which is the season six finale of Mad Men, which season six is pretty uneven. It's one of the weaker seasons, I would say, if you go like some of all parts, every episode on a letter grade, you would say season six might be the worst. But like In Care Of is an unbelievable finale. It's, I think, head and shoulders, like the best finale of Mad Men because Mad Men is another show that tends to peak an episode or two before the end and also have like great episodes in the middle I mean it's just a really strong show we're just talking about it's actually just maybe the best show of all time it really barely has weak moments you know it's only that some moments are so incredible but in care of it's great seven I had final grades I just love season four of The Wire so much I feel like it's just as much cheating as putting 30 like you did yeah yeah casino night yeah just can't agree more mm-hmm. yeah gotta be on there uh my number five was all the bells say the season three finale of succession oh which yeah recency bias aside yeah, is yeah. just like one of the greatest hours of tv i've ever seen and i doubt it's gonna like fall much in the interim and also if season four is the last season then there are no other choices for succession season finales and they're all pretty fucking good but that one is the best at four, as a little tribute to Lost, I gotta go with Through the Looking Glass. Ooh. In my opinion, maybe the best Lost season finale. I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, Exodus Part One is probably still better than that whole finale. But Through the Looking Glass as a piece, and especially with the twists that it deploys, is fucking yeah. amazing. It's so good. At three, I got Postpartum which is the final episode of season five of The Shield, Mm. which Mm. is just maybe the most shocking and disturbing season finale of all time. God, it hits hard. At two, I got the best of both worlds. TNG, season three, gotta give it up. Just iconic, probably the most iconic cliffhanger of all time. And at one, I share with you uh, Mizumono from Hannibal season two. I think that's the best season finale I've ever seen. I really do. Oof. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh, just listen to no, no, all no, these no, 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 like, no, no, no. we got, oh, don't boy. you just want to go into some yeah. other goat seasons oh, immediately? No, what like, have we oh. done? What have we done? Oh, all these shows, man, they're what just waiting. They're just Oof. begging to be covered. We're man. in trouble. I can't wait. I know. We are in such trouble. <sighs> We're in big trouble. All right. Is it, is it, is it time for name that episode? I guess it's gotta be. I think it's right? gotta be, right? Yeah, yeah. I've dragged this out long enough. No, all right. So this time I literally could not come up with I did not have the time to come up with three, but I've got okay. two. Yeah. Okay. This will be fun. This will be fun for you. <laughs> oh no. This will be fun for you because Oh man. Don't hurt me, Phil. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you're gonna get these immediately. You're gonna get these <laughs> oh, immediately. Oh no. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I tr- like you were gonna get these immediately <laughs> because of what I was thinking when I came up with uh, these these clues, all right? These are going to be the easiest to hence. No, man, I'm serious. All right, here we go. I'll start with the first one. (laughs) I'm going to have to cut out some of this. All right, here we go. Yeah, this season finale of Hannibal was named by TV Guide as the best TV episode of 2014. (laughs) I literally just read this Wikipedia page. It's it's Mizumono. It is. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, yeah. David Slade returning to the fold after directing the pilot and a couple other episodes. And uh, 
Holy shit, it's what an hour of amazing. television, man. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, we're going to get into oh, it We will soon, get it. Man. We will, yes. But like talk about setting something up earlier in the show, namely everything that was going to happen in this episode, <laughs> teasing it and then having it pay off and having it be like, oh, oh, that was barely an aperitif to name another episode of Hannibal. That was barely an appetizer to the emotional destruction that would be wrought. Holy fuck. All right. Oh, here oh we go. God. I'm just, I'm shook all over again. Yeah. <sighs> what a show. Yeah. Okay, right. here we go. I know. It. This is the second one. You're going to get this one too, right? Here we go. <laughs> oh, no. During this finale of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. a woman is discovered dead and her father mourns. <laughs> yes. ABQ. There you go. There Absolutely. you go. So it's funny. I was coming with these and I was oh. like, what are some good season finales? <laughs> <laughs> this was before this was before you had texted me. Uh, so yeah, I came up with this independently. This, and this then was a homework problem. It really Absolutely. was. Yeah. I gave you two separate assignments and, and they, they just, out I just to be bled the same into each other. Yeah, just oh, osmosis. Man. Anyway. Yeah. Good job. So oh, man. So did you know? So I was reading the Wikipedia page for ABQ. And I think there was something on there where Gilligan said, that's the only season finale that we wrote knowing what was going to happen all the way through. He said we did it once with that episode and we never did it again because it was painful to do. I thought that was nuts. Thought that was nuts. Yeah. I tell you what, ABQ is pretty good, but that's another show where it's like, the episode before it, Phoenix, where yeah. Walt actually lets her die, is unbelievable. It is. I mean, to me, like, that episode's so strong. Half Measures is so, so strong. strong. The season one episode, Crazy Handful of Nothing, mm-hmm. the episode before the finale. Mm-hmm. That's when that show kicked into overdrive, yeah. man. Yeah. And so much of that is, I assume it's, and we talked about this on The Sopranos, where shows started taking the formula of having your most exciting, the climactic episode being the episode prior to your season finale. And so that's why it's so interesting and that's why it's so um, impactful. Yeah, and I think the way that Vince Gilligan deployed it was so smart. I mean, for just podcasting about Breaking Bad now, but whatever. It's what I think is so smart about that is that he... Unlike David Chase, where David Chase is like, I'm going to have the exciting thing happen the episode before to surprise everyone. And then the season finale is going to be more like cozy, more familial. It's going to be enjoying the company of these characters a little bit more and and breaking bread with them. It's so Italian, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, with Vince Gilligan, it's more like I'm going to have this huge, shocking, emotional thing happen before And then I'm going to have huge, shocking, emotional shit in the finale, too. By having it be this two-step, it takes the pressure off the finale to be all of your emotional resolution Mm -hmm. in such a smart way. In the same way that he diffused the real climax of the show across the last three episodes of it. Yeah. He did such a good job of tempering our expectations by giving us greatness before we expected it and decompressing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a brilliant, brilliant show. Brilliant show. And it's structure, it's acting, it's execution on every level. So good. And uh, yeah, I mean, dude, again, it's funny. To get to the end of this journey... To get to this point that we're at now, and I am so happy that 
we covered Lost and that we had this journey with it again, that we experienced all this, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. It's it's like we've gotten to the cliffs outside of Mount Doom, you know, oh, wow. and there's oh, lava no. all around oh, us. Oh, no. And... Oh, no. This is a Lord of the Rings podcast. Man, I, I just, I, you know, at the end of this journey, at the end of all things, I am I am so glad, you know, to be here with you, man. I really am. It's good shit, man. That's just where it comes down. Yeah, and, man. And I, I that's how I feel about Lost, too. In the end, we had all these mysteries. We had frustration. We had elation. But in the end, you know, I'm so glad to have just, like, spent the time with these characters as I watch them all see the raft off or watch them all board that fateful flight 815 i'm like yeah i really do care about all these characters i care about all the actors playing them it has successfully invested me man yeah you know ditto ditto i couldn't have said it better i mean we haven't really gotten into spoilers too much for the series itself i would just say that that is very much the emotion that i think the finale hammered in on at the expense of everything else, at the expense of all its mysteries. And mm-hmm. I understand the frustrations that people had around that kind of ending. And I understand also a lot of people just being checked out long before that, which is kind of where I was at, but still feeling like, oh, yeah, that was kind of a disappointment. But I get how it was also just a gift to everyone who had stayed invested in the characters for that long. Mm-hmm. And watching yeah. Exodus just made me feel a little better about the entire enterprise yeah i think yeah so yeah no, I agree. so that's it man this has been Thanks fun man coming on this journey yeah me. i'm glad yeah. we got a chance to do this i'm glad we decided that this was going to be like we we're going to invest ourselves into watching 20 24 <laughs> episodes of lost it was see, a lot it was a lot it was a lot, lot, it was a lot. but you know what it, at the end of the day i'm glad we did this and yeah. i think again like i said before i have a greater appreciation for what this show did and what it was trying to accomplish uh even though perhaps it took some swings and it missed a few times but yeah yeah, yeah. can't what win a all show. 25 episodes no you can't no you yeah. can't but man you sure can try so uh should we announce our next series should we do it we've decided we've got to right? do it yeah I, mean, I think we I, should we <laughs> no let's not let no we're not going to tell them okay we're not going to okay. tell them we did all it last right. time we're not going to tell them this time <laughs> It's it's a mystery. We're gonna we're gonna take from JJ. This is a mystery box. You guys are looking down into the fucking hatch right now. Oh man, you're gonna have to make your own kind of music in the meantime, listeners. It's thematically appropriate as well. You're not gonna know. Fuck you. But you'll find out soon, I guess. Yeah, all right. Will. In that case, I'll just wrap up by saying thank you all for listening. We hope you will follow, rate, and review us on iTunes. Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. I also uh, want to direct you to our Instagram, at Goat Season Pod, where you can find fresh goat pictures and fresh updates on the pod. I want to thank Janice O'Leary for our artwork, Josh Sullivan for our intro music, and Battlequake for our outro. And we will be back next week with an Are You Current? And then, after that, who knows? (laughs) That mystery box has yet to be opened. Peace.
Damn, we did that. Whoo, boy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 